Yeah, it's really it's, it's really tough because you know, like I said, the medical uh, the medical clients they help shape the market. I mean, before there was any recreational, it was it was medical use only, and I and I think that that's another reason why that they kind of get a little bit bent up there on Washington and some of these state representatives get a little bit bent because they you go from a plant that was served as a medicinal purpose and now it's being used recreational. So now they're like, okay, well, what is is there an actual medical benefit uh, to this plant? And then that kind of harkens back to what you mentioned, you know, we need more research done. We need more clinical trial done. So we can prove that, you know, that this plant is, you know, not only is it a great recreational source, but it also is a healing source. Hey y'all, welcome back to Gramps Place, where my guests and I discuss all things of public interest and anything else that might need a little changing in the good old USA. From ending the drug war and freeing those wrongfully imprisoned for crimes that have no victim, to making government more like what our forefathers intended of we the people again. I talk with doctors, scientists, politicians, and more, so you can make your own decisions on important issues in the USA. Today, I'm joined by the founder of a social equity cannabis farm in Colorado called Rosilla's 5280, Rashawn Thomas. Rosilla's 5280 is a limited liability company based in Moffat, Colorado, that is actively involved in the provision of THC-based products which are focused on the health and wellness of the people. Rashawn joins me to tell us about their farm and also to discuss the current state of cannabis in the USA. Let's meet Rayshawn and join the conversation. Hello, Rayshawn, and thanks for joining me here on Grant's Place. Thanks for having me, Grant. Absolutely. Please uh, introduce yourself to our listeners and, and tell them a little bit about your background and, and all that good stuff. Sure, sir. So, my name is Rayshawn. Um, my background is I am a cannabis farmer, social equity cannabis farmer that operates out of Moffitt, Colorado. So that's a little bit about my background. Um, Rashawn's my name and our company um, is um, Growzilla's 5280. Okay. Okay. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're the founder of the company. I am the founder of the company. company. Absolutely. Uh, founder, head grower, uh, you name it, I, I do it. <laughs> like so many people in this this industry, you're the jack of all trades, right? You have to be. You have to be. So, so I, I guess there's really no point in the, the next question I was going to ask because I was going to ask what exactly was your role besides founder, but it sounds like you you do it all pretty much. You got your hands in every aspect, right? Pretty much, I have my hands in every aspect of the business, um, from growing to SOPs, to, I mean, um, finances, to picking out genetics, to networking, to marketing. I mean, you name it. Okay. Okay. So how long have you been in business? So this is our first year operating at the farm. So um, we're excited about it. And 
expecting some pretty decent yields for the the season. Okay, good. good. I, so I was going to say you're so you're actually up and running. Uh, <clears throat> what size would you say your your farming capacity is at this point? So right now we're with this being our first year in business. We're tier one. So what that is, is we have um, the capability of growing 1800 plants and oh, wow. we are set up on a one acre lot. Okay. So it's outdoor growth. It is outdoor growth. So a um, couple reasons for that. Um, right now um, with the prices, you know, I have a lot of friends in this industry, a lot of buddies that, you know, they're doing different, uh, different ways of, uh, of growing and they're inside and some are in greenhouses. And I kid you not, Gramps, you know, I, I talked to some of my buddies and they're like, it's not even worth putting anything in, in, into production just because of the overhead costs of, you know, how we're with the supply chain shortage price of uh with power so it's it's really important for us to keep that model of being sustainable and efficient and also saving money by using mother nature's light yeah that's something i hadn't even really really thought about is you know with with the the fuel prices and and everything else the power cost is going through the roof and if you're doing indoor that's that's a very big part of your your cost from what I know about it anyway. Absolutely. I mean, there's guys who are literally not wanting to put things in production, literally wanting to hold off until the winters to go into production just because of the way the price of fuel and the price of material is kind of fluctuating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I work in the construction industry uh, by trade and uh, work as a project manager in the commercial construction industry. So uh, we've been very widely affected by supply chain issues and and uh, even even raw material issues because of the different shutdowns in the different countries, you know, iron ore and things like that, you know, not being produced like they needed to be to keep up with demand. So I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, in the construction industry, I was going to say, I know you see these type of things coming, you know, you guys get like a couple months ahead of it before the actual consumer gets a whiff of it. So yeah yeah that's like the economy uh construction industry is usually the last to be hit by a recession and it's usually the last to recover from a recession because it's all about funding you know when the funding stops what's already going still goes you know it finishes but there's nothing new coming in, in to replace it right so uh yeah it, it becomes a major deal you know, the, the housing crash or the housing bubble, as they called it in 08. Uh, basically, we didn't feel it till like 2010. So the construction industry hurt from 2010 through like 2012, and then it started to pick back up again. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, with the way the economy is now, you know, a, a lot of people are feeling it in the wallet, you know, um, and in Colorado. If we, if we talk about real estate, I mean, it's really, it's, it's, it's through the roof of some of the prices and some of these houses. I mean, a single family home on average market value is about 500, 600,000. Um, an average one bedroom apartment in Denver, you know, it's, it's about $2,300 a month. You know, it's, it's truly right. ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's insane. But um, with, with, with that being said, you know, 
you, you look around and what it does is it drives homelessness, right? So you get all these people who now who used to be able to afford to live in a city or who who grew up in a city that they were able to afford, now they can no longer afford it. So kind of forces them to kind of live ways and live outside their means and, you know, forces them to another state of life, you know? So it's, it's really sad to see it. You know, I'm a native of Colorado. And, you know, going downtown and seeing some of the buildings down there and seeing, like, just how the population of the homelessness just arose, you know, it's, it's, it's really heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's getting that way here, believe it or not. Uh, I mean, the house I'm, I'm, I live in now, when we bought it seven years ago, we paid 165000 for it. And, and the property tax valuation is right at 300000 now. In seven years, it's crazy. That's insane, right there. You know, it's it just goes to show, like you know, the price of living is going up. You know, so we need to get those folks up at Washington to agree, and let's get let's get the ball rolling and let's get this economy kick started. Boy, howdy, are you jumping in on a subject there? <laughs> that is uh that is uh you know, before before my son passed away in 2016. Uh, and I got involved and, and started learning about the realities behind medical benefits of cannabis and also the reality behind the lies that were used to make it illegal in the first place. And of course, uh, naturally, that pissed me off as a father who had lost a son. Uh, so that's what got me started. I had to, I had to spread the word, right? And prior to that, not a lot of people know this about me in the cannabis industry, but prior to that, I spent the better part of probably 40 years since the age of 10 uh, in, in just self-absorbed research and study into the whole political system, government, economics, the various political parties and how they originated and how they've evolved over the years. And, and it's, you know, that was just my number one topic. I, and a lot of that was actually through formal education as well. Uh, you know, just take a click course here and there. And uh, I, I can tell you, you hit the nail on the head. If we could just get those guys in Washington to agree, the problem is, and the media is largely responsible for this, in my opinion. 100%. But, but, but the problem is that not only does the American voter not understand that they are more alike than they lead you on to believe? Everything, everything in front of the cameras is for the cameras and for the public's benefit. Absolutely. I guarantee you they go to the same restaurants, they go to the same dinner parties, and they rub elbows and they say, man, you really went after me today. You know, did you have to, you, you know, did you have to be so harsh, you know, and, and there's more of that going on than people realize. And, and the problem is there's so much of that bickering going on about he said, she said, uh, Limp Biscuit's got a song out, got some lines in it, you know, he said, she said, bullshit. Yeah. Uh, and that's all it is. That's all that rhetoric that goes back and forth from the left and the right. That's all it is. Absolutely. It's a bunch of BS that don't mean a damn thing. Either and that. I said the American people, we're stuck in the middle of it. Yeah. 
Well, we're sold on it at this point, as far as the, the, the portion of the American population that does the voting, which are the ones that matter. The ones that don't get out and vote, they don't matter because they're not participating and helping shape America because that's what people don't realize. That is truly what you help shape the future of America by exercising that right. And it's also the way you get your voice heard. Absolutely. You know, the problem is what we got is too many career politicians. Uh, too many Nancy Pelosi's. Good too many Chuck Schumer's, too many Mitch McConnell's, Absolutely. Uh, uh, too many, you know, I could go on and on and on. And I'm, you know, from both sides, it don't matter what party they belong to. Somebody's yeah. been in, in Congress, no matter what house, somebody that's been in Congress for 40 plus years don't need to be there anymore yeah. for a multitude of reasons. Well, I mean, and one one major reason I would think would be is because of the, the thinking. I mean, the, the, the process is, hasn't changed. I mean, look at the fight that we're fighting with, you know, cannabis. It's still a scheduled drug, you know, and it's and it's absolutely ridiculous when you turn on the on the television and then you see these poor kids and they're 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 overdosing off of fentanyl, you know, and it's and it's not cannabis. It's it, these are your your prescribed medicines. These are your 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 over the counter type deals, and you know. But then yet the the shade cloud is casted so much on cannabis. It's 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 mind blowing. It's beyond mind blowing to me. Uh, just it doesn't make any sense anymore. You know, you got these lawmakers when you talk to them, and they say stuff like. Um, well, you know, we need more research. I've spent more than 3,000 hours reading research. I'm talking in vitro, in a lab, in a Petri dish, controlled environment, you know, same result over and over and over and over and over again. Where we're lacking in research is the clinical trial side of things. Here in here in America, mind you, they're doing the clinical trials also all around the world. I've read hundreds and hundreds of those on a wealth of, of conditions, you know, that have both positive and negative results. Because right. uh, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, it's not a miracle by any means. Exactly. But it is a useful medicine for a multitude of things that we have barely even begun to scratch the surface on. And the federal government of the United States is largely the reason why we're still dragging our feet worldwide on that. Exactly. I mean, here's my thought about it. If there's too much bickering going on at the Capitol to come to um, a legitimate a, a legitimate uh, bill to get this thing kick started, right? I mean, you. I mean, the future of it, in my opinion, is it, grim because you, you just can't get one party to get along. You know, yeah. you get one party to control majority, and then they'll say, "Well, yeah, we're 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 all for it, but we need votes." And 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 then you get the other party like, "No, we're totally not. We're totally against it." So then that party, you know, it changes, right? House changes. 
to the left or to the right, whatever side. Now this side is we're totally want to legalize it. We're getting the people behind us because we want to legalize. Now all of a sudden this party doesn't want it legalized just because this party, you know, it's it's a huge mess. And until we can actually agree upon something, it's, it's the future's grim. Well, yeah, the, the problem is, is neither party wants whatever party holds that top seat in the White House. Neither party wants the other party to get credit for anything. So therefore, we can't do anything together because that will 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 put in the history books that one of them did something better than we did. Bipartisan doesn't exist in up in Washington. Not anymore. No. Uh-uh. Anyway, we're not going to solve the federal government problems. Uh, I wish the two of us could, but we're probably not going to. So uh, it sounds like we're on a good road to it, though. <laughs> Well, you know, you'd be amazed at how many people I have that conversation with that that agree with everything we just said. It's just we got to get that sentiment in the ballot box. People got to understand, uh, and I'll say this, and then I'm going to get off politics, but people got to understand that it's okay to vote for the other party, number one. Especially if you're doing it to get someone who's not doing anything out of office. Because in one term that this other person from the other side, you know, the one term that they get elected to office, they're not going to, that one person is not going to accomplish very much at all in their first term, right? They're going to vote on other people's bills. But they ain't gonna get none of their crazy shit through. And then next time you go back to the other party when they got somebody else who maybe is for everything you want. But that's how you get people out. It's the only way you get people out. They're never gonna have term limits because they have to vote for it. And do you think they're gonna do that? No. Absolutely not. (laughs) Anyhow, back to... uh, Rosillas, how many products are, are y'all planning to carry in your first year? So we're planning on carrying possibly three products, right? So the ideal of it is, is we're trying to adjust to um, a crashing and not forgiving market, right? So we, we came into this market where it's literally at the very, very bottom. So it seems that pre-rolls are kind of keeping some of these local farmers afloat. So what we're planning on is we're actually planning on carrying some pre-rolls, possibly some flour and, you know, some concentrates. So that's three products. See how that works out and kind of go from there. Okay. You're going to be doing your own processing for the concentrates. Are you going to third party that? You have to third party that just for the simple fact that once you get involved with doing the concentrate and and making uh, and doing the pressing then you have to have a mips license right so that's okay. a totally different license then you have to have it set up totally different so we'll send it out and get it done by third party okay pardon this short break for a word from our sponsors hey y'all are you enjoying the guests and content gramps is bringing you each week did you know he does this all on his own no production team, and no producers. Just grabs. If you like the show, please think about becoming a monthly supporter. 
it can be as little as 99 cents per month. You would be surprised at how much that can help. Just follow the link in the show description where it says support this podcast here. And as always, Gramps thanks you for listening, and for your support. Welcome back to Gramps Place. The podcast where Gramps and his guests talk about all things cannabis and cannabis law reform, along with anything else that piques public interests. So, um, I got to ask you, what what are your your main goals for the business? Is it is it for for medical, or recreational, or is it both? You know, right now the way it's set up, the, the medical market is is really down. It's it's falling, yeah. right? And the medical market was what kind of got us cannabis legal, sure. right? Yeah. And um, the the misses at the farm. She's a total advocate for CBD. You know, she's a healer. So she, you know, she likes the RSOs. So eventually, you know, in the future, we would like to, you know, kind of key in more on the medical market. But of course, you know, with with, with how cannabis is set up and with all these rules, there's different licenses for different things. So eventually we will focus on medical and get a medical license. Our lot does permit us to have dual licenses, but right now we're just going to go recreational and see where that takes us. Yeah, that's understandable. I've I've heard a lot of a lot of things about how the medical side is just last last few bills that went through have kind of just put a damper on things for the medical side, from what I understand. Yeah, it's really it's, it's really tough because you know, like I said, the medical uh, the medical clients they help shape the market i mean before there was any recreational it was it was medical use only and i and i think that that's another reason why that they kind of get a little bit bent up there on washington and some of these state representatives get a little bit bent because they you go from a plant that was served as a medicinal purpose and now it's being rec- used recreational so now they're like okay well what ben- is, is there an actual medical benefit uh, to this plant, and then that kind of harkens back to what you mentioned. You know, we need more research done. We need more clinical trial done, so we can prove that you know that this plant is, you know, not only is it a great recreational source, but it also is a healing source. Okay, that that sounds excellent. Um, so I got to ask you this, um, but I think I probably know the answer already from what conversations we've already had. Uh, but if I were to guess, I would be right in saying that you support full federal legalization. Absolutely, absolutely, um, 100% full legal, uh, full legal federal legalization. Um, it's been too long, you know. It's 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 the time has come. I mean, it's it's in, it's popping up in every state as far as recreational medical goes. It's about time for the federal, and, and, and the reason why I, I, I'm so advocate and so horned about it is because if you look at the news and if you read some of these papers, you know, cult, you know, farmers, dispensary owners, delivery drivers, you know, we're at risk of being robbed, you know, 
in California, a lot of those dispensaries, a lot of those farms, these guys are going in there gunpoint there because every the cat's out of the bag. Everyone knows that, you know, cannabis does not have banking options, so they operate with large amounts of cash. So I think just for safe reasons, right, you know, it, it, we need to get this thing kickstarted. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what do you think? Well, let me let me start over. My belief that all, all we need to do at the federal level is they just need to remove cannabis from the controlled substances list. That's just, the first thing. Just deschedule it completely, uh, because what that does is un- that that'll undo everything as far as cannabis is concerned. <laughs> Outside of the farm bill of 2018 and the whole hemp business, uh, but uh, I don't think they need to worry about how to how to legalize it. All they need to do is put in some regs as far as laboratory testing requirements, packaging requirements, because I'm sure you agree uh, these these black market, and most of them are black market companies that are that are marketing these edibles that look like Oreo cookie packages and and the Cheerios and tricks cereal and all that right. stuff. Right? Which is putting huge black eye, a huge like stain on the edible market when, you know, if you go to uh, a dispensary somewhere that's legal, you know, it's totally different packaging. You know, you, you don't see that like Lucky Charms or Reese's or anything like that. You know, that's more geared toward black market side. And, you know, we're, we're actually by, by law to be compliant. It has to have, um, you know, the THC stamp. So it has to be sealed and it also has to have uh, ingredients as well as be labeled as THC. So you get some of these black market edibles and, you know, and, and social media is huge, you know, with these, with, with these type of things and with these type of people, they, they market it, you yeah. know, and then they, 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 they move it over state and then, you know, feds, they, they get a whiff of it and then it's all automatically pointed toward cannabis and not so more toward the black market. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, uh, that being said, my, my philosophy is, um, once the fed does it, they should leave it up to the States as far as if they want to do anything special with their laws, you know, and, uh, you know, let them set the age limits like they do with alcohol and et cetera. Uh, but my fear is that they're going to go, Way overboard, <laughs> right? With anything new, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I have my fingers crossed, you know, that that when they do it, they'll get it at least partially right. Um, because I think, I think states like Texas, where I live, are probably going to take the federal government to move before we're going to get to do anything here. Yeah, that's a. That's that's a tough one, you know. You got some of those states like like your state, Texas, Alabama, you know, some of those southern states, you know, you know, Georgia, you know, that, that might not budge on it, you know, that you know, hold values more toward you know, hold their values a little bit more toward their heart versus what the government says. So I can you know, that's gonna be a tough battle for some of those states. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, do you ever do you ever think 
we're going to see movement at the federal level in our lifetimes? <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't see, I, I, to be honest, I don't see, uh, not anytime soon, um, you know, hope, absolutely. I can, I can only hope, but to see any movement, you know, with the way those guys, you know, bicker up there on the Capitol, we can't get anything done as far as an infrastructure bill. So let's know something like this. I, I just don't see it, unfortunately. Yeah, I, sadly, I have to agree. Uh, there's going to have to be some big turnover in the uh, both the House and the Senate before we're going to see any action. Uh, that's just just my opinion. <clears throat> so you mentioned uh, social equity as a part of your business. Explain a little bit of that for me. Yeah, so social equity is a huge part of our business. So shout out Mike Biggio at Area 420, right? So Area 420 is a very unique place, very unique situation that I'm in. I'm actually operating three and a half hours from where I live, but you know, it's in it's in good it's in good favor because out here in Moffitt, Colorado, this is a town that's totally built off cannabis. This town literally had under $100 in their account before the town became um, this this uh, this town built on cannabis, right? So now the town is getting more uh, ten, a lot. They they have a lot more than $100 in their in their uh, in their bank account. But uh, shout out to Area 420. You know, kind of the situation. What it is is it's it's a it's a cannabis complex where a lot of where legacy and social equity growers go and kind of thrive. The the model there is to kind of form one like Voltron, right? So you have a bunch of farmers on 420 acres, lot sizes, an acre to five acres. So you have all these farmers that join in this community that kind of, you know, that kind of bounces ideals off of each other, kind of form this this bond. And we kind of, you know, and it's it's a legacy social equity deal to kind of combat what's going on with corporate cannabis. Mike Biggio, the guy who, um, who, who who runs it, has a very unique story. I mean, this guy is totally social equity driven. I mean, the guy done prison time um, for cannabis. So, you know, he's totally driven to make sure that, that people who suffer from the actual drug war get a fair shot in the cannabis industry. So shout out Area 412. Well, man, I'd love to have a chat with him. <laughs> he's a very, he's a very interesting guy. Um, I mean, great guy, man. Good guy to talk to. Very smart. knows knows the in and outs of this business. I mean, very good dude. And I'm glad that you know um, we we ran across him. It was a funny, real short story. Funny story. How we ran across him was my wife was actually on social media. And, you know, we were in Denver, we're in Denver, so we we're looking for a place to operate out of Denver. So we're about $5,000 into the hole at this point, because the whole thing in Denver with these zones is, is a total joke, right? So they they tell us that, well, we're going to, we're launching social equity. We want you guys to participate in this uh, industry that's a billion dollar industry. And we know that you guys were affected by the war on drugs. So we want you guys to participate. We want you guys... Here, let's get you guys in. Well, what they didn't let us know was that the fact of finding 
property in Denver is is like finding a needle in a haystack, right? Yeah. Um, if if you do find property there, you have to make sure that the landlord's okay with it first, right? Then you have to pass zonings, all type of coding. I mean, at that point, you know, you're easily two, three hundred thousand dollars in you know, before you're even operating, you know, six months and you're still building, you know, and and we didn't have to deal with that situation. So, you know, we shimmied out there to Moffitt, you know, no red tape out there. Town is totally cool with cannabis. Um, you know, one of the guys that sits on the town board, actually Mike Vigio sits on the town board. Another guy that sits on the town board does the licensing. So, I mean, it's a real unique situation. I mean, and not only are we thriving in this, in this, in this community, we're also putting back into this community. You know, there's stores that's now starting to be open. They, we have a Dollar General out there that's one of the highest grossing Dollar Generals in Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because of the farmers and uh, the, the cannabis growers and, and, the, and the operators that put money into this community. So it's a really great situation. I really met some really good people out there. So um, shout out Purple Mountain. You know, Purple Mountain's another group that's out there operating out there in the Moffitt area that, you know, they've really, being new into the industry, being our first year of operation, there's a lot of different ins and outs and a lot of unknowns. But, you know, we got a good team back behind us that's making sure that we're set up for success. So, Oh, it sounds like it. Um... You know, that's something that I, I support fully uh, is if and when, <clears throat> if and when the Fed decides to uh, do something, of course, they're going to slap a tax on it, right? You know, they're going to they're going to get their share. Uh, and I'm OK with that as long as they take a portion of that revenue and turn it into something similar to like the small business administration but specifically for families and people who have been adversely affected by the war on drugs absolutely that's that's something i think that we absolutely have to fight for Uh, at the end of the day um we have these corporate companies and it's really kind of you know it's it's mind-blowing because the community that i live in is one of these green zone communities where you can't operate it but you know once you go literally two blocks down you know a couple miles down the road you see all these cannabis facilities and they're all these warehoused um facilities and they're vertically integrated where there's dispensaries there's grow and they literally saturated the area so now there's no operation there so at five o'clock when those guys punch out you know the first thing they do is they hop on the highway they get out of the community that you know that's not you know and but it leaves the people who are actually affected by the war on drugs who actually p- build pillars in this community you know they're forced to operate three hours away from um from where they grew up yeah so yeah. i mean that's um that's a tough thing and you know with the uh so, with, with social equity in place i i you know, there's there's always hope for you know where what what door opens up for us. But I'll tell you what, a good thing is um, what what social equity is going to need and what social equity is going to thrive on is resources, funding, and um, just you know uh, technical support. You know, to get, getting out there in this industry when you're having you have to compete with corporate cannabis. You know, it's 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 
it's no longer, you know, you can't you can't beat them with their pockets because their pockets yeah. are deep, generations deep. So you have to bring the culture back and put the realness back in the cannabis. And that's kind of our model, right? You know, we're out on the farm, you know, we're not we're not warehousing cannabis. We're not we're not growing cannabis under artificial light with CO2. You know, we're we're outside with we're being sustainable. We're trying to reduce our carbon footprint. You know, cannabis was grown outside. It's it's meant it's an outside plant. It's meant to be grown out in the nature. Sure, I think sure. more people were forced to grow inside uh, uh, to hide from uh, from the law, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if if it was, um, I think if it was people's, uh, if it was more people's more option, they would continue to be outdoors and allow the plant to thrive in a in a, an environment where it's. It, you're, you're not spending millions of dollars just to yeah. operate. Well, I, I'm not a grower or anything by any means, but uh, everything I've read of recent years uh, basically says that indoor grow can't touch the quality of outdoor anyway. Right, right. I mean, and think about it, Gramps. You know, you're being closer to nature. Yeah. I, I, we, we, we model our, we like to model from the farmer's market, right? Um, you go to your farmer's market, you get to meet your actual farmer. The produce is brought down to you that day. It's fresh produce. It's a, it's, it's a better environment versus going to one of your corporate grocery store chains where the food's been there for who knows how long. You don't know, know anyone there. It's just people running back and forth. Items are on the shelf that are, uh, if you find them on the shelf, that are, that are, that are no longer uh, good. You know, it's just... We try to model that farmer's markets model because we enjoy, we thrive in, in that type of environment, right? We want to be make sure that we're close to our source of food, and we want our, our customers, our clients to be so close to their source of recreational medicine or medicine. Absolutely, absolutely. So tell our audience where people can find and Rosillas and when they'll be able to get your products. Right. So right now, you know, we're 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 definitely horning in on the Denver market. So like I mentioned, we're going to be doing this pre-roll thing, and we're going to be doing a collaboration with a couple different uh couple different uh groups. Gentlemen Quinns will be doing a, okay. a collaboration with them. Um, I know so, Jarrell. Yeah, Jarrell. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out Jarrell. So uh, yeah, we'll be doing a, a collaboration with them. We're also working with a couple other dispensaries in Denver. Again, you know, um, once we get it, we, you know, we're 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 seasonal for now. So as the outdoor uh, season starts to approach us, you know, we're starting planning here in a couple weeks. Uh, we'll have everything finished up around October, and yeah, so we'll we'll definitely be in the shelves late fall. Okay, perfect. Do you have a website or anything yet, or? Yeah, so we're all over social media, um, but uh, the, the website is growzillas5280.com. Okay, I'll post a link to that, of course, in the show notes and everything when, when that comes out. Absolutely. Well, Rashawn, I, I want to thank you for joining me here and tell us about what you're doing out there in Colorado and, and the whole social equity thing and everything. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, I, and I appreciate you putting up with my bronchitis, cracky voice. <laughs> But uh, I I do appreciate you coming on, and I want to thank our listeners for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Gramps, and for fighting a good fight. Absolutely. Gramps, please. 
podcast where I bring you the doctors, scientists, patients, politicians, and ordinary everyday people to talk about anything and everything with facts and first-hand reports so you can make your own decisions on important issues. Cannabis law reform, politics, criminal justice, government, and economics are just a few. As always, I thank you for listening and for your generous support.